Hi, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, September 11th. On this week's edition, we're going to talk about the latest COVID-19 related news and several issues related to voting, and who knows, maybe some more. I'm joined, as always, by Max Brantley. Afternoon. Uh, unlike, uh, we've been gone for a couple of weeks, but unlike Governor Hutchinson, we have no intention of forsaking our public. We're going to we're gonna keep going and stay regular, <laughs> hope, in, in the coming weeks. Yeah, whether, whether they like it or not. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk more about it, but we want to mention our, our sponsor, and uh, that's uh, the book Stepdads Showing Up and Showing Out, Tips for Navigating the Complex World of Blended Families, which is now out. We'll hear more about that shortly. So, uh, as usual, we start off with uh, what's new in, in COVID-19 news, and as it happens, today was the one-day record for new cases. Yeah, it was uh, over 1,000, over 1,100 new cases, and actually with the antigen test added in, it pushed right up near 1,200 new cases in one day. And the governor, you know, he's spinning and grinning, and he says, well, that's that's a lot. But he said, you know, we had 1,000 Friday, but then we had four or five days with three or 400. And so he thinks everything's going well. And, and he, he went out of his way, by the way, which I thought was interesting to address some national reporting. He wasn't asked about it, that, that restaurants are viewed perhaps more dangerously by some experts than by others. And he said he's insisted he's looked at the numbers and there's just no data in Arkansas showing that people are getting COVID-19 at restaurants. Of course, I think our contract tracing leaves a lot to be desired. So I don't, and I, he said more people go to retail stores. So I guess what, we shouldn't go to retail stores? I don't know. In any event, we're having a lot of cases and an awful lot of them are coming from colleges and universities. So. And he, and as usual, he was asked about that. He'd mentioned in a, I guess yesterday's news conference that, uh, you know, he was open and open to recommending, uh, you know, further measures at, at college, including pushing colleges to go to, to virtual instruction. But uh, he says we're in a wait and see pattern at this point, and he's happy with the UA's plan. No, he went he went out of his way today to say how how well the colleges are responding and what great plans they have. Here's the dirty secret, though. I, I can't remember the figure, but the University of Arkansas put out a figure the other day about how many of its classes are being taught virtually to begin with. I mean, they may be synchronous, so-called, which is that they're all at the same time. And other campuses are doing the same thing. That, and, and the governor's actually acknowledged this a time or two, that the problem isn't so much people going to class, it's what college kids do when they're not in class. You know, they get together in dorms, they get together in bars, they get together in apartment complexes, and they get close to each other. And And I'm told at that age, sometimes people have intimate contact even. Well, <laughs> you, you know, stuff happens when you get that close together. And so I I think it's a problem, but I think this is the reason why a lot of places have, have gone to all virtual instruction. Hendricks College and Lyon College, the name two in Arkansas. But we got to play football, and I thought that was highlighted this week by the the quick quickie uh, UA Board of Trustees meeting, which is the athletic department is having the shorts because of a decline in revenue. 
And so they had to enter some, do some $19 million in short-term borrowing to cover their bond payments on Jeff Long's monumental stadium expansion up there. But all the board of trustees just seem fine with it. And, you know, and I just hope everything's going to work out and they seem intent on having a football season. Although all kinds of problems are popping up around the country, at least in certain spots. So who knows? Well, and then, uh, K-12 has started since we last podcasted, I believe. And, um, you know, as expected, we've, we've had problems pop up. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I'm reluctant to draw a sweeping conclusion on it. I, I'm actually leaning toward the view, although there are problems all over there, you know, hot spots here, hot spots there, quarantines here, quarantines there. But if the numbers are being accurately reported, and, and that's an if, uh, I think the problems haven't been as big as I feared they would be. Now, huge numbers of children are staying home. I, I was interested, the governor remarked today, he was in MENA for what was supposed to be his last daily briefing. He's going to the weekly briefing schedule to say how MENA, how well things were going in the MENA schools. And a lot of parents, after starting virtually, were coming back to regular classes because they see how well they're going. Well, maybe so. I, you know, I, I just don't know. I mean, I hope, th- I hope that's the case. I, I hope that works out. We still don't really know, and we're not going to know until the year is over, the effect on education. I mean, clearly, what, whatever else happens, even if we don't have a massive virus outbreak because of it, education quality has to be affected just has to be yeah no 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 doubt and uh, there's a lot of reporting to be done on that but just from my own experience you know uh, the in, in the lrsd at least the elementary level all of the educating is being done um you know to virtual and in-person students at the at the same time you have the same teacher so the kids who are in the classroom are getting the same experience that my kids who are learning at home are, except they're in the classroom and, you know, they're, they're eating lunch and going on, on the playground. And I think teachers are having to spend a lot of time just kind of keeping them apart. But in terms of the delivery, uh, a lot of it is canned and, um, you know, have to strictly follow the curriculum. Um, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a real challenge for, uh, for us, um, working through all the lessons with the kids on their devices, especially with a first grader who doesn't know how to type or read. Um, and and it's all supposed to be done on, for kids, I think, K through two, they do it on an iPad, and then upper grades have a Chromebook. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff that they're doing that it's nearly impossible to do on a device. Like, you know, going through the phonetic spellings of things and marking accent marks. Like, you just can't really do that on a computer very well. So, I, just can't, I can't imagine learning to read that way. Yeah, it's, it's kind of nuts. And I, I think, as you say, there will be far-reaching impl- implications to this. And, and just the toll that it's taking on teachers who, uh, you know, are, are forced to be there, at least in Literac, there are no accommodations for teachers who have health concerns who want to teach from home. Um, teachers are there. They're worried about their safety, and they're they're having to 
to teach in a way that's entirely foreign. Uh, it takes away a lot of the kind of autonomy that they've had in the past to, to do things like they like they want to make things more interesting. And, uh, you know, you and I collect moments of churlishness from the governor. And I thought maybe the topper so far was his response to um, a statement from the LREA on its continued oh. concerns about safety what a dick i mean, <laughs> I mean really he, yeah he he did not a, i mean they sort of went through their list of safety concerns and rather than responding to them he just attacked the union and said that the lrea is the reason that so many parents choose charter schools uh yeah it was it was it was it was chicken so, bleep and, and johnny key said the same thing i mean they're just working out their agenda, and it's, I mean, I mean, I guess we have a union here, but it has no power. It has no bargaining control, and it just, and it listed a very specific list of shortcomings in safety measures in the schools, cleanliness and providing of equipment, and that sort of thing. Seemed fair enough, you know, and, and to just, just dump on them, because they're not alone. Teachers all over the state feel the same way. Little Rock teachers are just lucky enough to have an organization that'll speak up for them. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's take a break and hear from our sponsor. That's Dr. Char Cedric Charles Rice, who has a new book that's now available called Stepdads, Showing Up and Showing Out, Tips for Navigating the Complex World of Blended Families. Uh, it's available for purchase in softcover for $13.99 plus tax and shipping. You can find it either at iuniverse.com slash bookstore or barnesandnoble.com. Uh, please consider telling your friends and family about stepdads showing up and showing out. Uh, Dr. Rice hopes that the work uh, makes people laugh and inspires reflection. And uh, it's, it's the, the ultimate challenge for any stepfather or stepdad. It's always show up and show out. So check out Dr. Ch Cedric Charles Rice's stepdads showing up and showing out. Tips for navigating a complex world. He's a teacher at UAPB, and he speaks from experience on this subject, which a lot of families uh, have to have to navigate that situation. Not always easy. Yeah, especially in COVID times. I'm, I'm oh, wow. That, yeah. that adds, adds another complexion to it. So uh, let's talk about voting. There have been, a, been several news items related to the ballot since we last talked, uh, notably some reporting you did on Republican efforts to disrupt the expected surge of absentee voting in Pulaski County? Well, it's pretty clear that the Republican Party nationwide has a concerted effort underway to suppress the vote in every way possible, and particularly to suppress the expected surge of absentee voting, which they somehow think will go against them. And, and, as I, said, and I don't even know if that's true or not, but that's their expectation. Certainly it is in Pulaski County, which votes overwhelmingly Democratic, and the Republican Party has been raising a series of questions uh, for the county clerk, Terry Hollingsworth, who is a Democrat, about whether she's handling absentee applications properly. Is she checking the signatures that are on file? Are, the, are people legitimately getting ballots? And then, But the, that's bad enough. But what's to come, I think, is I think we can expect election night that for the first time ever, 
Republicans are going to put poll watchers in the absentee ballot opening and they'll be challenging absentee ballots by the boatload. I predict that not only will we have a historic number of absentee ballots submitted in this election in Arkansas, we'll have a historically high number of ballots disqualified as a result of Republican disqualification efforts. And understand, this doesn't mean there's fraud. You get remarried, you change your name, your original voter registration is Smith, but you're now Jones and you sign your absentee application as Jones. It goes into the it goes into the challenge bin. You make a typo in your address, you reverse a number, it goes into the challenge bin. Somebody says, ah, that signature doesn't look right to me. I'm going to challenge that one. Goes into the bin. The problem on provisional ballots is, is then the election commission decides which one gets counted. And guess what? Under the Arkansas law, election commissions are controlled by Republicans. And I can bet that the challenges will be targeted. They, they've already FOI'd the list of everybody who's applied for an absentee ballot. So they know who's going to get them and they'll continue to know. My guess will be is they will target people who live in, oh, the east side of Little Rock, who live in Hillcrest and Little Rock, very well-known, extremely high Democratic voting precincts. They'll be looking for things to challenge there would be my guess. So I think it's going to be nasty and be, be a mess. The interesting thing is, to a certain degree, is you wonder why do they care in Arkansas because we're so blood red. Well, for one thing, it, Trump is, is still likely to carry the election here but not by as big a margin. I think he's he's worn thin even among some of our voters. But in the second congressional district uh, in Pulaski County, particularly, he'll get hammered. He'll lose big in Pulaski County. Uh, Hillary Rodham, who was not a particularly popular Democratic candidate, got 56 percent in Pulaski County in 2016. I think Joe Biden will do far better than that here. Also, French Hill, uh, the incumbent Republican, is on the ballot in Pulaski County. He's never carried his home county, Pulaski County, because he's a Republican fat cat millionaire banker who supports Donald Trump. Not too surprising. Well, Joyce Elliott's running a pretty good race. And, and not only will she carry Pulaski big, but there's some evidence that some of the Trump fatigue among suburban voters might be producing some potential gains among voters in the second district. You think of Benton, Bryant, Conway, maybe even Cabot or some places that they're pretty staunchly conservative, but they're not necessarily are, are crazy about Donald Trump, or at least as crazy as they were four years ago. So I think the Republicans have cause to be nervous about that. But even more than that in Pulaski County, there are four or five at least really good, energetic, Democratic candidates for state legislature who are challenging seats that are held by Republicans. And the last thing the Republicans want is to lose a single seat in the legislature. So I, I think as much as anything, that explains what's going on on this vote suppression. But Terry Hollingsworth insists she's following the law. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. But uh, I, I predict some chaos. For one thing, if this vote challenge thing happens, it's going to slow the vote counting process down. And that will contribute to confusion and suspicion. And, and that's going to happen nationwide. I was reading a story today about how Republicans have using evangelical churches to recruit uh, people to be vote intimidators at polling places and to challenge absentee ballots. And they're training people in this process around the country, particularly in swing states like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, North Carolina. 
it's uh it's not a good time for the country and this is this is i I don't really think i exaggerate in my lifetime the most important election ever yeah so you you wrote a little about uh your own kind of personal decision and weighing it i decided a while back that i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna go vote in person just so there's no and and that's in our household that's the decision my wife ellen made and and I decided to do absentee and I put my letter in the mailbox and then I heard more after I'd mailed it about some of this stuff going on here. And, and one of the problems is handwriting. It's a very simple thing is, you know, my signature is a scrawl under the best of circumstances. It's kind of where I'm sitting and how my arm is bent is how it looks. And I, I think you could look at two signatures by me and say, that's not the same person very easily. So I worried about that. And then I got this, unsolicited essay from Bruce Haggard, who's a retired biology professor at Hendricks, very smart guy. And he'd gotten more, he's an older man and he'd gotten worried about this. And so he'd done a bunch of research and he pointed out some of the vagaries of, of absentee ballot voting in Arkansas and said, he really thinks you ought to vote in person. You ought to mask up. He thinks that, and in Pulaski County, this is true. They're going to extend the hours of early voting places. They're going to have more of them. They're going to have hand sanitizers and all the employees are going to be wearing masks. Unfortunately, the governor won't order masks by all who vote. They claim there's some legal problem with that. But I think if you pick your spot and you vote early and and vote at an off hour time, you can reduce your exposure. But you, ha- as Bruce Haggard wrote in his piece, when you vote in person, you have a chance to correct any anomalies in your registration for one thing but for another you know your vote gets cast you put something in the mail you don't necessarily know if it gets there and if it does get there you don't necessarily know if it's going to be thrown into the provisional box and ultimately not counted because of the election commission and you can't fix an absentee ballot that's that's been cast provisionally and ruled out you can fix it for the next election but you can't fix it for this election at the polls you can be sure your vote gets counted. So, so I, anyway, I mean, I, I think my bottom line is 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 to be absolutely sure your vote counts. You got to vote in person. I absolutely understand voting absentee, but if you do, be really careful. A, a voter worker told me one of the most frequent mistakes is is there's a place to put your birth date, which is a key that's checked for your absentee ballot. And some people just screw up and put today's date there. Mm. That you're disqualified. That's over. <laughs> That's it. Your vote won't count. So if you do vote absentee, be very careful. It's like standardized tests going outside the bubble, you know. Yeah. In fact, on some of the absentee ballots, the ballots are read by a card reader. You got to be careful how you feel. Yes, that's part of the same deal. Same thing applies. Woo. Well, okay. I'm sure there's more we can talk about, but let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What do you have this week? Well, I'm about, oh, three years late on this, but I watched the first season of something that had been an AMC season. It ran for four seasons. It ended up being hugely critically acclaimed, but almost nobody watched it. It's something called Halt and Catch Fire. I watched it. I think I've endorsed it in the past, but yeah, it's oh, great. Oh, you did? Sorry. 
it's fabulous. It's, it's, I mean, it's about the development of the PC industry beginning in the Silicon Prairie of Texas. And I, one of the things, I mean, there's, they, there's a lot of talk in it, technical talk that I don't understand, of course, but what it impresses them. And even, I think in a way it's better to watch it later because so much has happened. This series last appeared in 2017 and the amount of stuff that's been invented in the last three years is phenomenal. And to look at this clunky thing they invented back then that was, you know, this IBM PC clone and how far and how fast it's come. It's just, it's just kind of, it's just kind of remarkable to review in history what, where, where, where we've come from and where we're going. So anyway, I'm, I'm getting a kick out of it anyway. Yeah. Well, and that show does, a, because they start early, um, they can, bounce around or not bounce around but they can move ahead and tom and uh they they jump pretty far i think and right the four the four the four seasons cover cover a 10-year cover a 10-year period i think oh yeah that especially in the fourth season is sort of emotionally wrecks you but yeah i highly recommend it uh it's great acting scoop mcnary who is not a huge character in the first season. He plays um, he plays Gordon, uh, I forget what his last name is, who's kind of the nerdy engineer. Um, he's just a great character actor. Um, and I really liked him in the end. No, uh, I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah, check it out. Well, I, we haven't podcasted because uh, my dad died last week and I was taking care of him uh, in the, the weeks leading up to that. And so, you know, when when a parent dies, you one of the things you do is start going through their stuff. And <laughs> my dad, like me, collected a bunch of stuff and so I've been, been going through. And he had a lot of neat things. Uh, but one of the things that I'd forgotten that he collected when I was a kid and hadn't really paid attention to were toy soldiers. So I've been oh, going wow. all his old toy soldiers and sometimes with my kids looking on and them pocketing them at times, but um, I'm excited to, you know, they were always off limits when I was a kid to play with. And, you know, I probably will not let my kids take them in the bathtub or go crazy with them, but I'm kind of, kind of looking forward to figuring out what they all are. I mean, they, they span a, a huge uh, era of history from, you know, Scottish, uh, maybe World War One soldiers, Civil War. Um, there's an old beat up George Washington that my son pocketed. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to playing. I, with lo- I love toy soldiers. I'm just crazy about them. He's got he had some. Uh, some World War One ones that were really kind of rustic and looked like they were, they didn't have all the fancy painting on them. Looked like they actually were toy soldiers that were played with, you know, a hundred years ago. Kind of I'm embarrassed to say now my most favorite toy soldiers as a child were of uh, Confederate soldiers, but. He's got some of those. Yeah. Uh, you know. he's, got, he's got Lee and Grant facing off. So. All right. Well, we will leave it there. Hope everybody stays uh, safe and healthy. And uh, we'll be back next week. And want to thank again our sponsor, Dr. Cedric Charles Rice, whose book, Stepdads, Showing Up and Showing Out, Tips for Navigating the Complex World of Blended Families. 
now available for purchase on iuniverse.com slash bookstore or barnesandnoble.com. Thanks. See you later.